Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. When investigators attempt to solve a mysterious event involving sudden and unexpected death, they have to look at clues in order to piece together the events. There are a lot of questions to contend with. Uh, What happened here and when? Who committed this crime? Why? And what method, weapons, or tools did they use? With a vast background of science, including biology, chemistry, physics, anthropology, and math, trained specialists can look at the fragments of evidence left over from a crime and, with care and precision, construct a legitimate story. They might use anything left at the crime scene, including shards of broken glass, clumps of dirt, drops of bodily fluids, and other trace elements. But one item on or around a victim's body that gets a lot of attention during an investigation is actually a living organism, and it usually comes after a crime is committed. We're talking about insects. Bugs can tell us a lot about a death and reveal details about a crime. Uh, Today, we're looking at the field of forensic entomology. Forensic entomology is the use of insect evidence in both criminal and civil cases, and it can help police and criminal investigators learn a great deal about what happened to a body. Uh, That's because uh, just as flies will flock to a piece of food left out on a table, necrophilus insects, or bugs that eat dead flesh, are often associated with human corpses. The major criminal field of forensic entomology is known as medico-legal entomology. It's also known as forensic medical entomology or medico-criminal entomology because of its focus on violent crime. People working in this field usually attempt to determine several important things, but the keys are often the post-mortem interval, or the estimated time of human death, and the location of the death. 
These scientists may be called in on legal cases involving mysterious sudden death where foul play is suspected, traffic accidents with no apparent cause, crimes where insects were introduced to a victim to cause harm, or even less messy cases of insect damage to property or infestation in food. But today we're talking about those messy cases. Bugs will arrive very quickly to the orifices of a deceased human body, uh, such as the eyes, nose, ears, and mouth. Most insects can locate the smell of dead flesh within a matter of hours after expiration as it starts to decompose. And some insects, known as carrion insects, live their entire lives feeding on dead flesh in order to fuel their life cycle and create the next generation of bugs. Adult carrion insects, uh, mature and capable of flight, will seek out the nearest dead body to lay their eggs inside. After all, it's got all the nutrients a growing bug needs. There are generally three stages an insect goes through during the part of its lifetime that occurs inside of a dead body. The first stage is the egg stage, where the insects are still enclosed within their eggs. The second stage is the larva stage, where the small, wiggly, worm-like larvae that have just hatched grow by feeding upon the dead flesh. And the final stage is the pupa stage, which is an intermediate stage that comes before the insect turns into a winged adult and flies away. If an entomologist collects insects from a corpse during any one of these stages, egg, larva, or pupa, and if they understand the life cycle of that type of insect, they can determine a fairly accurate time of death. In other words, the entomologist needs to understand two basic facts. How long after death the insect eggs are generally laid, plus the amount of time it takes for the insects to develop. These two facts should give them a good idea of how long a person has been dead. Many kinds of bugs may flock to a decomposing body, but the most common kinds are flies and beetles. Flies, like blowflies, can find dead flesh within minutes. A fly larva, commonly known as maggots, do the majority of the eating and are responsible for much of a corpse's decay. Beetles, on the other hand, will typically move in once a corpse has dried out. When collecting insects, investigators try to locate the largest specimens. The oldest bugs should give the best postmortem interval. To preserve the insects, samples taken from the body are placed in containers filled with 70% isopropyl alcohol, the same strength as the rubbing alcohol solution you can buy at the store. The containers are labeled with the date and time of the collection and the part of the body from which the insects were taken. Then the investigator either delivers the specimens directly to a specialist or mails the containers expressly for examination. In a perfect situation, insects can prove an easy tool for uncovering the unknown. For instance, if a person dies of natural causes in a room where the temperature has remained constant and the coroner wants to know the time of death, the entomologist simply looks at the bugs around the corpse and reports the details. It's almost never that easy, though. Investigators need to take into account a large number of variables when collecting specimens. The temperature of the surrounding area, for example, determines how quickly larvae will grow in a corpse. When a person is murdered during the summer months and left outside for several days, the ambient temperature surrounding the corpse can change dramatically. Certain types of blowflies develop faster during hot weather and slower when it's cooler. Bugs found on a body that's been outside for weeks or even months show drastic variations in insect growth cycles, and an entomologist needs to carefully observe the available specimens to determine a likely range. 
Meanwhile, although many of the modern advancements in forensic science were made in the late 18 and early 1900s, perhaps the first documented account of forensic etymology comes from the 1200s. A Chinese book from that period, called The Washing Away of Wrongs, recounts a murder in a small village where the victim was badly cut. The local death investigator asked around, but after several questions and few answers, he decided to have each villager bring out their sickle and lay it across the ground. Eventually, flies swarmed over one sickle, most likely because its owner failed to wash away microscopic bits of blood or tissue from the blade. The killer confessed, and the first known case of forensic etymology was closed. Today's episode is based on the article, What Do Bugs Have to Do with Forensic Science? on HowStuffWorks.com, written by John Fuller. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 